Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now, if you haven't got your ticket yet for our inspiring event, it is on Saturday, the 30th of September on Zoom, 2 to 9 p.m. British Summer Time. 14 different speakers coming together to inspire you around prevention of eating disorders and body image issues. If you haven't got your ticket, do go to the link in the show notes. Really looking forward to seeing you there. Today I have a guest on the show and I am talking to Elle Mace, who is a coach and mentor, master practitioner in eating disorders, obesity and body dysmorphia, nutrition and weight management therapist, as well as a life and positive psychology coach. And previously, Elle has worked as a personal trainer and aerobics instructor, having a passion for health and fitness. So Ella's returning guest to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. If you'd like to hear about her recovery story, you can listen to her previous episode and the link is in the show notes. So in the past, Elle struggled with an unhealthy relationship with food and her body, starting at the tender age of 10 years old when she received unwanted comments. Clearly, this had a huge impact on her body image and self-esteem and she began to starve herself and understandably fell into binge eating. Then over several years, she fell into destructive eating disorder cycles, impacting her physical and mental well-being. Fast forward a few years and Elle decided that enough was enough. She had to free herself from the food demons and fall back in love with her body and with herself. And it wasn't an easy journey. It took much strength, determination and self-care and bravely moving away from the seductions of dieting. So I'm pleased to say that today Elle is in a very different place. She is now using her experience, qualifications and knowledge to help others heal their relationship with food, their bodies and ultimately themselves. And she brings much passion and enthusiasm in her work to supporting others after walking this path herself and knowing that real recovery is absolutely possible. In the episode today, Elle talks about the use of positive psychology as a tool in eating disorder recovery. She talks affirmations, toxic positivity, body image, the conscious versus the unconscious mind and more. This is an episode to inspire hope and motivation on your healing journey and it will equip you with some practical tools to help you on the way. Let's get to the conversation. Hi Elle, thank you so much for being a returning guest to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. Hello, hi, thanks for having me again. So Elle, before we went live, you were just telling me that you've got some exciting events coming up shortly for you, haven't you? <laughs> We'd yeah. like to share with the listeners. <laughs> it is exciting, isn't it? It's daunting and exciting, but yes, it's not work-related, it's personal-related. So I'm on my third child, which will be arriving in probably around, I reckon, eight-ish weeks or so. Yeah, well, congratulations and all the best with all of the next few weeks. The end of pregnancy can be quite hard sometimes, can't it, when you're you're just ready to pop. (laughs) Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Your kind of endorphins and your adrenaline for the pregnancy is kind of way worn off and you're just feeling really slow. I mean, I've actually been quite lucky because obviously, well, we're in the UK and the summer here has been pretty non-existent which has actually really suited me. But this last week, we've had this heat wave of the 29 and 30 degrees. And I was like, I am done. I'm done. <laughs> but it's changing now. So yeah, just some cooler weeks for me and I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah, no, brilliant. Actually, that is quite helpful, isn't it? That we're just going into the autumn now, That particularly for this last stretch. <laughs> yeah, hibernation stage, autumnal. It's my favourite season, actually. So 
yeah, there's a few less socials going on that, you know, that I don't have to try and, you know, really get myself into, et cetera. So yeah, nice kind of bit of hibernation, I think now. Yeah, that sounds good. And can I ask you, Elle, actually, like, obviously, it's your third pregnancy. And I know you've like had sort of like eating disorder, disordered eating um, struggles in the past and body dysmorphia, etc. How have you found sort of pregnancy sort of navigating all of that? Yeah, fab. I'm so pleased you asked this, actually, because I'm all about sharing the truth and, you know, being vulnerable. And I think that's what helps people the most and is so important in this area. But yeah, I'm on my third and all of them have been slightly different. So my first pregnancy, one of the reasons why I made such a big kind of effort to get through and recover from my eating disorders and body dysmorphia was because I knew that at some point I'd want kids and therefore my body will change and I'd have to eat in a different way. So that was a big catalyst for me actually getting recovered. But my first pregnancy was actually went really well in terms of my mental health. I didn't really struggle with because I had recovered from my disordered eating and body dysmorphia. So nothing actually cropped up. My mind stayed very at peace and it all felt very safe and there was no issues. And then my second pregnancy, I was like, oh gosh, that voice is back. It's much louder. It's coming back. So I had to really work hard in my second pregnancy to kind of keep it at bay or dormant, as we should say. And then this third time round, even more so, you know, just being completely honest, like, I think it's the combination of the hormones and obviously there's something different within me with this pregnancy, my last one compared to my first one, but also exhaustion, you know, I've got two toddlers running around. So, and I know that exhaustion was always one of my biggest triggers for both the body image and the disordered eating. You know, I've had to actually work hard listening, hearing when it's coming up and putting all of my knowledge and skills and experience into practice to make sure that it's just that voice that I know is there rather than taking any action upon me. Mm. So it sounds like um, just having that real awareness has helped. So you've almost been able to notice, have you, when the voice has become louder and you've almost been able to have that sort of pause and reflection to think about how you're going to respond to it, I guess, rather than back in the day where you would have been very led by the voice. Mm, absolutely it's that awareness and that acknowledgement and also kind of like getting ahead of myself as well but before so rather than kind of ignoring it and then it getting louder and louder and then one day you know I find myself actually taking on the physical old habits that I used to do with food or with my body is actually kind of like I know this is coming up for me tomorrow it may even be louder And so therefore, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow to make sure that I manage this? And so, yeah, it's really understanding because I recovered must be seven, eight years ago now. And from my knowledge and my training, I know that for some that is full recovery and for some it can just kind of be dormant and you have to kind of watch out for trauma and experiences that may kind of draw it back again. So I knew myself inside out. I know my triggers. I know like I said, tiredness is definitely one of them. This is where it kind of goes into you know how complex this all is because it's not actually about my body physically changing, but my body is changing and therefore this voice is kind of talking to me. But yet, you know, I'm actually feeling quite acceptance of the fact that my body's different, I'm different, I'm in a different era, but yeah, it's just that connection in the brain that is trying its best and I'm like, oh, hi, but no, we don't do that anymore. 
So, so what have been like your top tips? I know big question, but what are a couple of things that have really helped you to sort of navigate this pregnancy? So navigating this pregnancy, I have had to surrender, surrender, I love that (laughs) word, but I have had to slow down, which for some people that can be quite easy to do. For others, it's not so easy. I find it quite hard to slow down, especially in work and just sort of like accept that not everything can get done. But because obviously slowing down in life contributes to my energy levels, means that I can manage my stress easier, means I can manage my sleep and my rest. Because when I am tired physically or mentally, obviously that that for me is, as I've said, is a trigger, but also committing, committing back to myself. Okay, so these things are coming up. I'm going to have to commit to some daily exercises. So just to do go back to my journaling, perhaps go back to that sort of like thoughts and feelings of what's coming up for me today, bit of forward planning, you know, making sure that I'm eating really well. So I'm not getting any sugar dips. My glucose is all steady and I'm really honoring myself and my needs. So saying no to things that I'm forcing myself to do, even though actually I don't really want to or can't. And also the mindfulness piece and how I talk to myself. I mean, this is something that we were just talking about before, the kind of positive psychology piece. But this has been such a huge part of my journey and my recovery, like using positive psychology and how I talk to myself. And, you know, it works with so many people that I work with. So not allowing that voice to escalate or for me to give it fuel or to believe it. So if it's coming up saying, gosh, you're slow or you're heavy or your clothes aren't fitting anymore of me being able to come straight back with I'm pregnant I have this blessing I'm carrying this baby I'm really working hard at looking not giving that voice any energy Mm. yeah well thank you so much for sharing that because I know we hadn't sort of planned you know to talk about your pregnancy but I think it's so helpful for listeners to hear and the fact it's an ongoing journey isn't it I think and things can re-trigger us at certain points and we have to be kind of on the game I think you have to know what you have to be on the game because you really just don't know what's going to crop up for you during pregnancy because it's kind of out your hands you don't know what your hormones are going to be doing you don't know like all the brain chemistry of and you like you are going through a huge transition I mean you are growing an entire life within your body So you have to, I think that's the best thing to do. Like, you know, if you fall pregnant or you're pregnant is to actually kind of be like, okay, I'm open and I'm going to accept anything that kind of comes at me. And it doesn't have to be all roses pregnancy and accepting that actually maybe, you know, you are being grateful for the end result, but it's also okay if you don't feel okay. You know, there's a lot of talk around postpartum depression, lots and lots, which is amazing. But I also think a lot of people struggle within the pregnancy and feeling a bit guilty for not just being really grateful etc but I think that acceptance of I you know I'm happy that I'm pregnant but I'm also really not feeling good I'm really low mood or I'm really struggling with this is just so important yeah no it's just so validating to hear you say that Elle so thank you for sharing because I'm sure there'll be people out there that it's just what they're needing to hear today (laughs) yeah absolutely definitely and also, like, we live in this world of social media. And when you are going through this, I think people who are, you know, wanting a baby or expecting a baby, they can spend a lot of time on social media looking at all the things to get for the arrival and all this sort of stuff. But what you also see on there is lots of happy, happy pictures of 
baby bumps at different weeks and lots of embracing the bump and loving life. But yeah, you know, that is social media. And I think the reality is you will have moments like that for sure. But you also may, or you may not, but you may have moments of, oh, I don't <laughs> feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 100%, 100%. So Elle, we're going to talk a bit about sort of your use of positive psychology in your sort of own recovery journey and with your clients. So could you just sort of introduce us a bit more to like, what do you mean by um, the use of positive psychology in treatment? Yeah. So like I touched on earlier, it's been a big part of my own recovery and my clients as well, but really enforcing, I mean, positive psychology, there's so much to it. It's huge. But one part that I'll kind of focus on today is that positive affirmation to yourself. So that positive chatter and internal conversations that you have with yourself because there, I mean there's lots of facts out there but you know the one you kind of hear the most is you know we all have roughly 70,000 thoughts or feelings a day and we pretty much live 90% in the subconscious and 10% in the conscious so you can kind of your narrative in your head can be a negative one that you don't even really realize is going on and you're kind of very much living in that negative narrative about yourself or maybe from previous experiences etc so actually it's about really drawing yourself into spending more time in the conscious mind and making sure that your conversations you're having with yourself which are 24 7 you know maybe not when you sleep well still when you're sleeping but you know when you're in the daytime is making sure that those are ones that are far more positive than negative because it is a little bit like if you've got this negative narrative you're going to feel like that person you know if that's the same thing that's going over and over in your head and you know you are kind of what you give energy to it's far more difficult than living with that positive mindset even if you don't believe it even if you don't feel it so you might be having a really difficult day and it's actually really easy to just stay in that negative mindset or you could try some positive affirmation try to change your narrative so it's more positive and you may not believe it but you will feel different you will feel like there's that hope you'll feel like okay well let's just keep trying with this or maybe it could be a good day today And obviously, if you can use this over a long period of time, this can be a game changer. Mm. I guess for anyone listening as well, like, would you say, in terms of how you use it yourself and with your clients, would you sort of set it up in quite a kind of proactive way? So you'd almost like perhaps start your day with some affirmations or have specific times of the day? Or would you wait till you're in a negative mood and then think, oh, going to call on those tools? Or maybe a bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? A bit of both. So the amount of clients that say to me, this happened and I was in a really bad mood, but then I did the affirmations or I did the gratitudes or the positive chatter and I felt loads better. So that is there in the moment, being able to make that change. No, you can change your entire day in one minute just from that changing that conversation in your head. So you can have it as more reactive, but if you're wanting long-lasting results, <laughs> mm-hmm. don't know what the, sounds like something from an advert, mm-hmm. then you really want to do this as your daily practice and do it even when things are going amazing. I think everyone can resonate with this. Like we do our mindful practices and we get into a really good routine when things are bad. And then when things feel pretty good, we get a bit lazy with it, we get complacent, we don't do it. But actually, if you can make it that kind of non-negotiable, you are going to have long lasting results because essentially all of this is changing like all, you know, all your chemical imbalances, 
the neurotransmitters within your brain, like it's all so related to your brain that actually doing like a morning of affirmations or anything to do with the positive psychology piece, any exercises will change how you feel in an instant, but then you'll go back to your programming. You'll go back to how you've always been and, you know, the programming that is within you. But if you can keep this up maybe once a day or every day for six weeks, eight weeks, three months, six months, even twice a day, then you are changing your programming. You are rewiring your brain, which means that you're less likely to go back to that old mindset, that self-doubt mindset, that low self-worth, that just that negative patter that might even just be there through habit rather than trauma. Have you had a lifelong struggle with your weight and gone down the surgery route? Have you been caught in the diet cycle, losing and gaining the same weight repeatedly? And perhaps you pinned all of your hopes on bariatric surgery, but to only realize that head hunger, food noise, and emotional eating have returned along with a fear of weight regain. You are not alone on the Gastric Mindset Podcast. Safi shares real life stories from people who have had weight loss surgery, and she interviews experts to help you understand the deep-rooted psychological and behavioral aspects that make it achievable to find long-term weight loss success. Safi is eight years post-op and a therapeutic practitioner who is passionate about making psychological support accessible to all. The Gastric Mindset podcast is out every Friday and can be found on all major podcast platforms. And I guess there are different ways that you can sort of experiment with the affirmations, like you could write them down maybe, or you could like speak them aloud or... Could you even like listen to like, I'm just thinking of like good old Louise Hayes affirmations yes. on YouTube, you know, like, yeah. Would you recommend a particular way of doing them? Yeah, there's no like right or wrong. And also everyone's slightly different on how everyone learns. But ultimately, it kind of comes down to consistency as well. So I have some people that really enjoy writing, so they'll write them out every day. You know, there are some facts around if you write something out, it kind of like reinforces it within your brain at X amount more. But saying it out loud, you know, saying these things out loud in the mirror can feel extremely awkward, but also beneficial. And then listening to them out loud on a recording as well. You can, you know, you can put these affirmations in your earpods. Is that what they're called? Yeah, <laughs> earpods. <laughs> And just have them, you know, if you're in like a bit of an admin role, just listen to it going over and over and over in the subconscious. The more you listen or the more you do them, the faster results you're going to feel. What I will say is this isn't the only answer to recovery. So say you're struggling with body dysmorphia, disordered eating, you can take on this approach and it will work. But if you're wanting that kind of permanent recovery, you've obviously got to do all the other work with it. So the trauma work, the psychological intervention, you know, all the other stuff that I'm sure you've got hundreds of podcasts on. But this is just another element to it to do in line with it, but can be extremely, extremely effective. So, yeah, it's whatever works for you. But if you can do a combination of all of it, do it. Mm -hmm. What about can you use like the subliminals as well, where I mean, I'm not no expert on this, but isn't that when you kind of like play these affirmations just really, really quietly in the background? So you can't even actually hear them, but apparently your unconscious picks them up. You know yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I was in my full recovery, also when I was first learning about this, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And I found it awful for the first 
few weeks or for the first few times I did affirmations I was like this is icky this is awful because I don't believe any of it you know I had really low self-worth I'd never liked my body ever so to stand there and say I like my body just felt ridiculous so what I would say is if you're kind of thinking okay let's try this stick with it and again all my clients say to me oh this is awful and I speak to them in a couple of weeks time and they're like oh I'm kind of actually liking it or I'm feeling a bit better you start to notice things that are happening kind of around you like you'll notice that actually you went to the party you didn't worry about what you were wearing you were just kind of like there and you had that realization when you were there whereas before you may have like tried on all these outfits and you know tried to think of a reason why you didn't like any of them so just stick with it because it will feel icky and some of the affirmations will feel too much for you but you can change them and you don't have to be I am I don't know attractive or loved or whatever but you could say I am on a journey I am learning to love my body like I will get there etc but yeah back to the subliminal so I actually was like okay I'm going to do these in the conscious mind in the day and in the night, I would, it's on, they're on YouTube. You can find them on YouTube or the Spotify's. I would search eight hour affirmations for body image or disordered eating, whatever. And I would play them in my ears all night, eight hours. Like I can't hear any of it. I was asleep. Like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and realize it was kind of finishing or whatever. But it was really transformational for me. And again, I didn't have to be asleep. I could have been, like you said, not even really listening. I could be at work having conversations with people. Or another thing is, is like, if you're walking, you're going for a walk, you might be daydreaming about what you're going to eat or who you're going to see or the Netflix series, but you can hear it in the background. You know, you kind of can't, but you can, like there's a noise there and you know it's being said, but it is attacking that subconscious and it's really powerful. And I guess like you're saying, the consistency is key, really. You know, like if you want to get the results, you really want to sort of develop it as a daily practice. But I'm guessing even just for a few minutes, it can be quite transformational. Yeah. And I think everyone like listening to this today should leave this conversation and just try it and just Mm -hmm. try turning everything into a positive. One exercise to do is to turn everything into a positive, which is actually really hard. So if you think, okay, for the next hour or maybe even half a day, whatever happens, whatever I do, I'll find a positive in it. Obviously, this is to the extreme. This is kind of a little bit falling into toxic positivity where Mm. everything is fine and it's amazing when it's not. That's not what we're after. But it will just give you a little practice into actually, okay, if I can then meet this halfway or at least make some improvements towards it, It's going to be interesting and it can be really funny, you know, I've had clients who say, okay, right, I'm going to do this for half a day and something actually, you know, that is really hard to find a positive in, they'll try and find one in and they will see how, you know, difficult it can be, but then also actually how much it can change the way they think. So it might be, you know, let's say you're really late for work because there's a traffic jam, but then you might just feel really positive that, you know, you're in a safe place in your car, you have a car, you know, that sort of thing. So It's obviously taking it to the extreme as just an exercise. But then if you can, you know, really just spend that time and thinking, having disordered eating or body dysmorphia, you know, whatever it is you're struggling with there on that whole spectrum of different issues, there will be a positive outcome and there will be lessons and there will be positive messages and learnings from it. And I think that's the other thing to really focus on as well is not dwelling too much on how awful it's been and how long you've had it and how much time you've wasted. But actually from experiencing this, what positive changes 
have, have happened and you know the positive change in yourself and you as such a different person because of the recovery because you've experienced this yeah and it's a powerful sort of shift isn't it in sort of perception I think yeah when, when you sort of can take that view mm, yeah and that view obviously isn't easy to get to and can for some people take years and years and years but I know that you know when I went through my recovery and I was like oh I'm really annoyed I spent 17 years being like that like all the things I all the top things that I didn't do and wasted but now you know I do change it into a positive and actually I've learned so much from that I can help so many other people like I have changed as a person so much and I think that is just so important to hold on to the positives that are within it even though at some points you might feel like this is really there's nothing positive in this at all. Mm. So how would you say as well the positive affirmations sort of differ from more like traditional cognitive behavior therapy where I guess that's more not necessarily putting a positive spin on things is it but looking more that's looking more at the rational evidence thinking about I mean there could be some overlap when you say like what would you say to a friend in this situation how would you like to think about this but I guess there is a bit of a difference in terms of how those different approaches work. Yeah they are very different yeah absolutely. I think in terms of the positive psychology piece and I think where it is going to be most impactful is going back to that kind of like thoughts and feelings that you have of a daily basis and just trying to shift that permanently from being less negative to more positive and the rationalization of the CBT there absolutely like the other thing is we have all these thoughts and feelings in a day and a huge majority of them aren't even real they're not even happening we're kind of escalating things in our head you know you might I've texted a friend three days ago and not heard back. And then, you know, your programming and the way you are for whatever reason has convinced yourself that you've done something to upset this person. And then that's creating anxiety, which then may affect your body dysmorphia or affect the way you're eating. And then you might have a binge or you might restrict more because of the, the anxiety related to this. And then the next day your friend texts you and she's just been super busy and it's all kind of been wasted. So I think it's that you can take that rationale of actually has this actually happened? You know, have I got evidence and proof that this is happening? And then the answer is no. And you can kind of really talk yourself out of it and reduce anxiety. But also looking at that positive part of that, which is having that rationale and then putting it into a positive light as well. So if you can change even just by 10%, the kind of thoughts and feelings that are going on within yourself, within your brain, you're going to just really start to notice a difference, but not even kind of consciously, but like I said, subconsciously. So it's kind of quite hard to explain it all without kind of going too far into the sort of like making it quite easy to understand. But if you can analyze yourself and watch yourself over the next couple of days and think, okay, am I always looking at the glass half empty or is the glass always half full? Am I always turning slightly to the negative? And and there you can see, okay, this is where I need to take that shift to make this more positive. So instead of, I know I'm going to do that presentation at work, it's not going to be very good. How about I'm going to do a presentation at work and it could go really well. It could be the best one I've ever done. And with practice, you can practice that more and more and more every single day. And you will start to permanently think like that. And that is where it can change your entire life. Or maybe you don't see it in yourself, but you'll see it in other people. Like we all know someone will say, why don't you do this? And their response will be, oh, because that might happen or this might happen. And it's always straight into a kind of a risk assessment. It's always straight into the negative side of it. Or it won't work out for me, that kind of victim mentality. But, you know, like I said, this takes time. It's like a you're retraining yourself. But 
if you can do this and you can do the keep this up for three months, six months, A, you really start to notice as well how negative everyone can be in this world. But bearing in mind, some of this stuff is warranted. It's a very stressful world that we live in. But you'll find recovery in whatever it is a lot easier. You will find you'll have a lot more compassion for yourself. The other things will start to change, like your habits and behaviors around people pleasing. And, you know, it's so connected, but you'll be able to move through life with less stress and a lot more ease. Yeah, that sounds very inspiring. And I want to just ask you about the kind of the body image piece as well, because I know for some people, like body positivity just feels too much and they prefer to go for a kind of more body neutral stance. How does that all fit in as well with the sort of positive affirmations, positive psychology? Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. Again, we don't want to get into toxic positivity where we're saying, I am beautiful and, you know, all the rest of it. And body neutrality is amazing. You know, you have to think about what is kind of aligned to you and resonates with you. And actually, you know, if I said to you, write 10 affirmations, you might really struggle. But over time, and when you start to search on the website, on Google, you can search for positive neutrality affirmations or everything. And you can start to pick and choose ones that you like and that feel good. And you can start to conduct a list of 30, 40, 50 that you can use. But like I said, they don't have to feel uncomfortable. It can be. And an affirmation doesn't have to be short either. It can be, I have compassion for myself, you know, living in this society of this social media and feeling this pressure of my body, but I'm going to learn to love myself or accept myself. You know, they don't have to be these kind of like punchy, yeah, as I said, like the icky ones. It can be like, I am working on not comparing myself to others. I am learning to understand and know that my body is beautiful in the way it is. Or even, you know, a lot of people will feel the way they do about their body because of maybe past experiences or comments or the way they've been treated by other people. So even affirmations like that, like even though I was told this, I now know that's not true and I am beautiful. Or you can get really specific. You can be like, oh, even though I was once told that my legs were this, etc., I now know they are amazing and they do all these things for me, like take me to work and my exercise and all the rest of it. So you can kind of stay as broad as you want or, you know, get really, really kind of like detailed to you and what your experiences have been. But like, yeah, just make sure that it's not feeling, I mean, they're going to feel a bit icky and weird anyway, but no one's watching you. You're completely on your own. You can shout them from the rooftops. You just have to kind of let go there and go for it, but also make sure that they feel right for you. So you're not saying something that you don't actually want to believe. That's the thing. You want to make sure it's something that you actually want to be your new learning. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And I think there's something about finding that balance, isn't there? Of finding something that can feel a bit aligned to you. So it's not completely unbelievable, but at the same time, something that is like pushing you out of your comfort zone, I guess, to really sort of challenge the way you're thinking and to, you know, help you form those new beliefs and thoughts. Absolutely. Because if you have heard something or been told something or experienced anything, you know, we've all experienced comments before. And then you've just allowed yourself to remember that and repeat that in your head, you know. And I remember when I was 10 and they said this, and you go over and over and over it. You know, the more you think about it and the more you say it in your head, the more it's your reality and it's the more it's going to be your truth. So actually, figuring out what works for you. And actually, if you go back now and make sure you don't repeat that sentence ever again, and it's you repeat your new learning and what you want to understand, and you just keep going and keep going and keep going until it feels 
like effortless and you believe it like some of your affirmations believe it or not mm-hmm. you will end up believing you'll feel like that is your truth that is actually I strongly strongly feel so proud of my body and you will get there with enough if you kind of that can going back to that consistency and you're saying it enough and you know probably doing other work as well in the background you will get there you will get to a point where you really do believe this stuff about yourself yeah and no, it's very encouraging isn't it and I think you know just to hear you talk about your own experience and also the success stories with your clients yeah I think just really encouraging and I think people just need to have a go don't they really have a go try it consistently push through the ickiness and see what happens <laughs> it's an all experiment yeah. isn't it <laughs> yeah definitely I think like like I said, there's loads of things you can do around positive psychology, but one of the outside of the comfort zone pieces will be the positive affirmations to yourself. It really will be. That is normal. Accept that. You know, what comes to the other side of being outside your comfort zone is growth. So just make sure that, you know, you are pushing yourself to that bit. But then the rest can probably, if you are quite a negative person or you've had a really difficult time and you're struggling to see the positives and stuff, it can feel just a bit uncomfortable to be trying to find the positives in everything as well. But that shouldn't feel so icky, but you just really want to try and keep at this. And then all of this practice and gratitude comes into this as well, being grateful for the big things in life, you know, maybe your job or, you know, your home, but then also all those small things like having the five minutes to yourself to do your meditation or the coffee with a friend or whatever. But all of this combined, done daily, I feel very confident that you will see in six to eight weeks, you'll see a big difference if you do it daily. Yeah, no, hear, hear. Yeah, well, thanks for that encouragement, Elle. <laughs> yeah, Elle. <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to know more about the work you're doing or if they want to get in touch, etc.? Yeah, fab. So I'm on Instagram and TikTok and all the usual. So my handle there is at I am L Mace, E double L E M A C E. Or my website is www.lmace.com. Okay, now that's lovely. Okay, well, thank you. I should make sure all that info is in the show notes. Yes, yeah. And reach out, guys, if you're listening and you're going to start to implement this. I've also got a set of 21 day free self worth challenge on my things on my website but that actually incorporates a lot of this positive psychology so it's an exercise to do each day which is trying to build this as a habit and a behavior that you know it's a new way of life essentially and that's what my clients say to me they say okay I see this now it's a it's a new way of life of a new way of being so you can give that a go and let me know how you get on I always find it really interesting yeah, no, lovely. Thanks so much, Al. Yeah, no, so really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for sharing Thank all you. your great tips. No yeah. problem. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Elle's details in the show notes. If you're not following me already on Instagram, do seek me out the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you would follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Thank you.